And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome in to another episode of One of These Years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I am Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. We are through one week of the preseason. The Lions mm. are 0-1, if that matters. People are really <laughs> upset about the clock management, I guess. Really? I don't, Oh, for God's sake. Three days worth of talking points, man. I don't know. Dan Campbell got asked about it uh, uh, at well, Monday's presser. Uh, so we can get into that, I guess. But uh, <laughs> maybe some uh, more important storylines to hit yeah, here, too. Yeah, probably a few more. Yeah, Probably a few more important than that one, I would say. Can we wait until a regular uh, season game God. before talk radio starts throwing a fit about clock management? Can we at least get that far? Like, maybe? Okay, let's go. Let's go into the more important topics, I guess, before that one. Uh, I I mean, I just thought we just didn't care about I don't. Season I don't. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's whatever. I would have been better off if no one took a timeout at all in that entire game. It would have been it would have been better for all parties if everyone just let the clock run out. Like it's a situational exercise. Right. So like, hey, if he if he bungles something in game one fine but like that's not what this is so yeah i mean it's whatever people are bored i guess i mean i think the bigger concern there like if you're nitpicking anything would be david blau throwing the ball away on third down and then taking a sack right. with 15 yeah. seconds left like that's the type of stuff you're evaluating anyway as coaches so um right. anyway all right yeah let's move on to more important matters. Yeah. <laughs> uh two more preseason games the lions uh we're taping on tuesday the lions are planning to scrimmage uh, whatever that looks like uh, at Allen Park Tuesday night. I'm sure it'll be similar to the one they had at Ford Field, kind of like mm-hmm. you know, yeah, 80% uh, speed, no, no real tackling, but um, just another kind of benchmark along the way here. Uh, impressions of the preseason uh, opener, other than the final score, yeah. I guess. What what your takeaways were from that one? Well, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot that was surprising, uh, I would say, based on what we'd seen in camp. But I think that my, I guess my biggest impressions were that the rookies um, that played, of course, you know, Anzarike didn't play, but the rookies all, including Derek Barnes and Melifonwu, I thought all did something in that game. I guess, did Jefferson play? He didn't play either. But the, the rookies that played all did something in that game that I thought spoke to um, sort of why the Lions drafted them. I think they all did something in that game that showed their athletic traits and showed sort of their potential. Um, you know, Barnes and Melifonwu specifically obviously have so much more to prove and a lot longer of a, a path to go. Um, but I think if you're Brad Holmes and you're just watching the rookies and how they, you know, sort of performed in their first real action against another team... I think you're probably smiling to a degree because we knew what they were going to get from St. Brown. And we, I think we knew what they were going to get from Sewell for the most part. We can talk about all those things, but like pretty good. It was pretty good overall. Nobody looked lost. Nobody looked like, you know, they were getting embarrassed. No one looked like they didn't belong out there. So that was my biggest takeaway actually was that a lot of those younger guys, um, and I would include Julian O'Quarr in that, uh, did okay. I mean, they they showed something, you know, right? And if you're looking for little things here and there, like that's what I was sort of looking at in this game. And I think we we could, Chris, we went back and forth. We could see several guys that showed something, you know, in that game that was encouraging. And I think that right now where they're at as a franchise, like that's what you're looking for. And it could have been the opposite. We we could have seen something different. We know that. So for one game, I mean, if it's not that big of a deal, I thought, if nothing else, that was positive. Julian O'Quara might still be out there, man. Yeah, he, uh, right, right. Yeah, they put him out there and left him out there for forty nine, like sixty plays, or yeah, whatever. Right. Yeah. It's crazy, um, which is a good sign on. Uh, I think in terms of just where he's at physically, but yeah, you're right. I mean, everyone sort of freaked out a little bit when Sewell got beat on the early third down rep by Gregory Russo, who's you know a, a kind of freaky athlete in his own mm-hmm. right and a uh, good pass rusher but that also you know that entire play 
Right. Uh, Vitae <laughs> got beat inside. Decker, I think, got beat on the other side. Like that was just kind of a mess all around. And then I yeah. think the big thing you're looking for, and what they've kind of talked about with Sewell, uh, just throughout this entire camp and preseason is that you want to see what happens next after something like that goes wrong and I think that you've we've seen him consistently and it's happened in practice too you know he'll get beat one rep Mm -hmm. uh, by Romeo Okora or someone and and then he's immediately over and talking to Vitae or talking to Ragnar or someone about what he did wrong and how he can fix it for the next rep and then it gets cleaned up the next time that same thing happens and I think you saw that Yes. Uh, for the rest of his snaps on uh, Friday? When did they Friday. play? Friday, Friday night. night. <laughs> Friday night. Uh, <laughs> on Friday night, I think it was a lot better after that rep. You know, the Lions didn't run the ball particularly well, but um, mm-hmm. I, some of that's just a, a preseason thing, I think. Uh, but I think Sewell looked pretty good from there out, and, and you see that progress, and that's really, like you said, I think that's kind of all you want. You just want to see yeah. these baby steps forward and so I think there were good signs from Sewell I think there were great signs you know St. Brown uh, I wrote about about it in our our rookie watch post that went up Tuesday morning you know St. Brown I think you know it it was you got three targets on that uh, long 18 play field goal drive one got called back uh, on a hold but um, man it was all the stuff we've seen it was just really sharp sudden routes he had the the one from the slot to move the chains it was third and seven third and eight and he ran a really great out route and the cornerback didn't have a chance he had the the one that got called back he was actually yeah. in a split backfield with mm. jamal williams and came out and ran that you know that angle route that right. texas route whatever you want to call it against uh that we see from running backs all the time against linebackers and yeah, and good luck put there. the cornerback on his hip and yeah, got right. 15 yards and got called back so Man, I, I don't. I, I still think Tyrell Williams is going to get it, maybe be the leading receiver here, and T.J. Hawkinson is probably going to get the most targets. But man, I think St. Brown is going to get fed the ball a lot, and we're, you know you're kind of seeing glimpses as why already. Oh yeah, I mean, we talked about this I think last week or the week before. Like people keep joking, like who's going to lead the team in targets, and I I'm like I just keep saying St. Brown, and I'm like I don't think I'm joking anymore. Like. I think he might lead the team in targets. It's either him or Hawkinson. <laughs> right, yeah. Like the route that he ran on that uh, on that 18 play drive, there was a route he ran on third down, which actually Sewell did a terrific uh, – we can talk about him in a second. He ran a route that got himself open. The corner almost fell down. I mean, yep. you know, you saw that out route that he ran to the sideline. He – I mean, I'm glad that everybody got to see what we've seen, right, finally. So I don't – so we don't always sound like we're just like constantly saying the same thing and no one can see it because it's obvious. You watch him play and it's like he belongs – that's the best thing I think we can say about him is that he he belongs. He fits in. You know, we've talked about, you know, I tweeted a couple weeks ago or whatever about him standing around waiting for extra reps. We saw the very next day, right, Chris? I think he was the last guy out there again after like a lightning storm getting reps. I mean, he's a different uh, rookie. I mean, I think he's just going to be a really, really good player for them. Probably not just this year either. I mean, I, that's that looks like a really good pick is if everything sort of holds up and, and does sort of what we expect it to do. On Sewell... I would say that the sack that everyone got fired up about, I mean, to be quite honest with you, I actually thought Sewell recovered enough on that play to save a sack. The sack happened because Vitae got thrown off his feet at the line of scrimmage and Goff didn't have anywhere to step up into the pocket. What happened there, I think, and and I'll note how we, you know, to your point about how he responded, you know, Rousseau was able to get his hands on him. He rocked him back a little bit. And then we've talked about Sewell's athleticism that allows him to kind of stay in those plays for longer. I think that kicked in. He was able to sort of regain his balance, maybe a little late, but he regained his balance and sort of pushed Rousseau deep into the pocket to where Goff actually would have had a step-up lane if Vitae's not getting beat. But either way, not clean. But I think if you go back and you look at the next drive, which is that 18 play drive, there's a couple third downs there where they roll the pocket to Sewell's side, and he's completely got the thing locked down. I mean, he did not get beat on that again. He did not on that exact rush move or anything like that. Um, I don't think he got beaten pass pro again. They handed off uh, a switch or on a stunt with he and Vitae on the 18-play drive. That was really smooth. He had a pancake on a third and one run play. Honestly, for two, I think it was probably 21 snaps out there. Pretty good. I mean, I don't really have anything to ding him on. I thought he was pretty darn good. That is Sewell in that first... Showing the real thing now will be, like we said, Chris, what does it look like in the second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter? What does it look like as time goes on? Because we did see 
you know, he was huffing and puffing and breathing yeah, pretty hard right. and looking like he was a little fired up and everything else. So settle down and let it kind of come to you. But honestly, I wasn't, I thought that he looked pretty darn good for all things considered, everything else uh, in game one. Yeah. And again, just to the point about him sort of learning and trying to take it all in, he, he spoke after Monday's practice and someone asked him, you know, what sort of specific things are you trying to work on to get better? And he mentioned his feet. And then he mentioned that he thought he was getting his hands were getting too wide. So he was letting yeah. guys get into his body. And yep. like, these are very specific notes that he has on himself and that he's willing to share with us. But I think that those are, you know, yeah. that's just a technique thing that you know, it's, it's maybe it pops up. You're probably going to see some reps where that happens and a guy gets into his body and kind of knocks him off balance. I think you're going to see that happen. 100%. It's happened already in camp, but the fact that he's aware of it and already trying to correct it again, it just sort of goes to right 100%. where he's at mentally and, and just the, that he can process that and not just have a bad rep and then feel like he's completely out of it. And I think it was important, you know, not to keep harping on it, but this was his first game in, yeah, uh, right. you know, 20 months. And so I think it was important that he was like, you, you pointed out, I don't remember what, after which play, but you pointed out that he would like he lined up and you could just see his chest heaving. Yeah, he was trying yeah. <laughs> to get <laughs> right. an extra breath before the snap. And I think it was important to kind of push himself a little bit that way. Cause even in these scrimmages and you know, the 11 on 11s and stuff, it's like a handful of plays and at pretty slow pace and then you're off. But, uh, that was, you know, live game action. So I think that that's, that's part of it. Cause it's not going to be, 20 snaps he's going to be playing 60 65 snaps in a game so you got to kind of build your way up to that so I think that was important to have that that long extended drive and to see that you know when you got to play 14 15 16 that he wasn't just getting lazy and getting beat because he was tired like it was still working so I think that those were important steps forward uh important steps forward for him uh, I mentioned St. Brown, and we've talked a lot about St. Brown. We've written a lot about St. Brown. It just – those routes are just uh, – the third down one, um, you know, he got a clean release at the line. He made a really sharp cut to the outside and, and you know, found the ball right away. It was a good throw from Goff. And, uh, like, all these little things that, you know, it wasn't uh, super complicated. But Jared Goff's clearly looking for him when they are in some of these spots and they need to move the chains and he's got to find someone, yeah. uh, you know, in that five to 15 yard window, like St. Brown's already becoming one of those guys for him because he is usually open. And when he's right. not open, he's got a way to kind of use his body to create that extra space. So it looks again, I don't want to get too far ahead of it, but he, he looks like he's, I mean, this looks like his fifth or sixth preseason, not his first one. Like he looks that ready to, to be an NFL receiver. Right. It was just like the reputation that he had all the way through college is exactly the same that we're seeing play out here. And we, we talked about when we did his film study in the summer that, you know, it was important to go back and look at his freshman year at USC. And you can go back and look at like his second or third game and they're playing whoever they're playing on a big game at night. And he's going up in the air and just challenging veteran defensive backs for the ball and just not caring. I mean, he just doesn't, he's not afraid of anything and it's obvious and everybody can see it. So to your point, when Goff's in a huddle and he's looking around, I know Hawkinson didn't play in the preseason game, but I mean, like in a normal situation, uh, his matchups and critical spots, his first read's probably going to be Hawkinson or his first his first favor anyway, I should say, uh, in the coaching staff too, the one they're most comfortable with. And his second, based on all we've seen in camp, is St. Brown because he's been the guy that <laughs> of the receivers that gets open more than anybody else. Um, you know, this conversation doesn't go without mentioning something I was kind of thinking about yesterday. Like, when are we going to see something from Tyrell Williams in camp, right? I mean, I think we're still kind of waiting to see, and he's been dinged up, but I think we're still sort of waiting to see that chemistry with he and Goff develop. We're still sort of waiting to see, you know, him do more of the things that he's flashed at previous stops in his, you know, career. We're still waiting to see Rashad Perriman, who's also been dinged up, do something. We're not waiting to see Amon Ross St. Brown. He's open every single day. <laughs> I mean, he's out there <laughs> right. beating people yeah. all the time. And so, yeah, it makes a ton of sense that he would be probably 1B on Goff's, like, well, I know he's going to be open list. And Hawkinson been, would be 1A. And, yeah, and Hawkinson and uh, Khalif Raymond. It's been St. Brown and yeah, Raymond. Right. Those have been mm-hmm. the two guys, really, consistently. And Hawkinson, when he's out there, 
and Jason Kabinda for some reason, but mm. uh, like those have been the guys, Khalif <laughs> Raymond and St. Brown. And I think some of that is because I, you know, I actually think Tyrell Williams has shown some little flashes. He had another one of those catches up the sideline in the game. He had one in yeah. practice on Monday. Uh, I think he had one going across the middle, you know, some, one of those routes we've seen him run a lot as an NFL player going across the middle, the, you know, the deep crosser in the uh, scrimmage they had, um, so there's been little glimpses of it. Perriman, I'm with you. I, I don't like. I honestly can't remember Goff completing a pass to him. Frankly, yeah, in the last like Williams two weeks. has done a lot more. Uh, I mean, it, mostly it's been just he's been limited with injury. But Perriman hasn't yeah. done anything. I think yeah. Williams is still going to be a high volume guy for this offense. I think Goff trusts him. I think Anthony Lynn knows him. I, I would expect that to continue. Perriman, I don't know. And then yeah, yeah you, and then that part of that is because I don't know that you can. I don't know how much you want Khalif Raymond and St. Brown off the field if you're in two and three yeah. wide receivers, you know, and it's going to be tough because you got to play one of them outside. It's been most of the time it's been Khalif Raymond, but, um, yeah. you know, they've, they've done some other stuff to, to try and move those guys into the slot, whether it's getting Hawkinson out wide or getting a running back out wide, and then you can slide the receiver into the slot. I've done some of that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, St. Brown, it's one of those where I keep pausing because I am almost trying to talk myself into reasons why he got picked where he did. You know, like how did yeah, yeah I know everyone I missed this for a hundred yeah. and however many picks it was because well, you know, and he's not huge. He doesn't have great speed, but right. I think I that's know. it. I think, I think that's, that's it, it, though. Right. I mean, I think that that's it because yeah. I think that a lot of times when when people are, it depends on the. The evaluator, I guess, but like when people look at receivers, and I think we we can we do this too. Like when we look at receivers, the first thing we always look at is like, well, can he make can he make the play that you know nobody else can make? That's the first thing we look at with a guy like Williams. I mean, you know, one of his biggest traits or attributes was always like he can go up in the air and adjust to the ball and make these kind of awkward bailey out catches. And I think a lot of times people get caught up in like. Can he do the spectacular? Well, St. Brown really can't do any of the spectacular, but he does every single little small thing better than anybody else. And if that's what you want and are looking for, and I think it speaks to, we talked about this with Brad Holmes in the offseason. The Rams' philosophy with receivers was to lean into guys that did the little things more than it was to lean into the guys that did the spectacular. You usually don't have to pay the guys that do the little things as much. And they always end up being probably a more steady player for you anyway. And it's less boom bust. So I think that it's it, a lot of it depends on what you're looking for and where you're at at that time. But I mean, I'm with you. I was the same way as the draft process went because it was like, we talked about this. I remember watching his pro day and just being like, where is this guy going to go? Because he's right. a professional yeah. route runner, but he's only six foot, barely. He's really not that fast. I mean, he's fast, fast enough, but he's not like lightning fast, right? He's not big. So where's he going to go? And it's like, I just think he's a pro. I just think he's like a really steady football player. And he's not going to, you know, if he catches 100 balls, it's not going to be for 1,500 yards. It's going to be for like 900, right? But like, that's that's still not nothing. And I think that's important. Yeah. I mean, again, I think we've seen, you know, if you're getting, if you're in third and eight and you get 10, that's pretty good. Pretty good. (laughs) You know, he had the one in the scrimmage for like, it was third down in the scrimmage. He got like 15. Like those are. Yeah. Yeah. 15 yards is going to be kind of a chunk play for this offense, I think. They're not going to be, be hitting explosive. a lot yeah. of 50 yarders. <laughs> this isn't going to be. No. <laughs> we were like no, uh, Justin Rogers, the Detroit News, was joking yeah. out at practice Monday, like the over under, uh, what was it, 35, 35 air, air yards yeah. between <laughs> the numbers. How many how many passes would there be? I think he set the over under at one and a half for the yeah. season. <laughs> like it's just not going to be there a lot. Um, and so I think that those are big plays like that's what you're looking mm-hmm. for and it, it really is those are kind of the guys that i'm always drawn to anyway like everyone knows about the freaky athlete wide receivers but when you see guys running the types of routes that saint brown does inside and outside and, and in all situations like that type of stuff translates really well and like you said to go back to the rant like that was that was cooper cup that's what he yeah. did yes. like and he went higher a lot higher than saint brown did but like he didn't test through the roof uh, and he wasn't a six six, you know, like Calvin Johnson type guy. <laughs> like he just went out there and carved up defenses. And so I think St. Brown can do some of that. Um, any thoughts on Aleem McNeil from that game? I don't know how much. Like he didn't. 
yeah play a ton i didn't do anything necessarily right. splashy but any thoughts on his first game i think that uh we didn't see anything in there that caused great concern and we didn't see anything in there that caused any woe so i think that all things considered it was probably fine right i think that that's what you were probably looking for you know is he going to Hold up like we think he can hold up against another team the way we've seen him hold up, you know, against our team here, you know, through seven days. If, if you're the staff, that's kind of the question you're looking for with a guy like that. And I think that, you know, for the most part, we've seen a lot of the things he's going to be able to do for them. And they talked a lot about how it was a pretty vanilla uh, day, you know, offensively and defensively with the game plan and everything else. So they weren't going to ask a ton of those guys. But I think that when you start moving people around and you start tinkering with some stuff, there's probably a lot more in there that they can get out of McNeil. Yeah, he played nine um, nine snaps. So uh, right, so not a lot to sh- to show, but I think the fact that they still think that highly of him and that he's up there and and really they don't they don't have much of a choice. There's not a lot of depth up there, but I think that he would be the other one up there with Amon Ra, who's you don't really have to question a lot. You know, you're going to get you know valued reps from him. Uh, you know, maybe not as much. I think St. Brown is. You can put him down in ink. <laughs> I think at this point, as a starter, who's going to play a ton, and I would think that for the most part, McNeil is probably close to that. But you know, maybe not all the way there yet. But you know, probably second best, I guess, uh, in the in the rookie group uh, overall. I think the thing that's impressed me the most about McNeil, besides you know the athleticism, is what we've talked about a lot for a three hundred and thirty pound guy. Yeah. But I think the thing that's impressed me the most is just he seems to. Uh, recognize plays very well for a guy his age so you're Mm -hmm. not getting him you know caught in the wrong gap and you're not getting him sealed off when he needs to be uh, occupying in a certain space you know I think he's seen the ball well and he even when plays are even when it's misdirection and and the quarterback's rolling out the other way I think you're seeing him uh, get to his spots and that you know again he only played nine snaps but I think there were glimpses of that as well in that game, the bigger takeaway for me with the first team defense, uh, such as it was, um, is that the linebackers are still gonna maybe be a problem <laughs> in run defense, uh, and, and that kind of leads me into Derek Barnes because he only played eight snaps. But you know, you yeah. kind of see why you might want him out there because uh, I don't know, I, like what percent, which, what percent would you put the Jamie Collins effort meter at for? <laughs> training camp in the preseason like I think he's been he's been out there to his credit he's been out there every single day yeah he's been chatting with his teammates he seems he honestly frankly like I don't don't want to say something bad like he seems engaged like he seems like he's paying attention and yeah I think so I think it's I think it's as high as it's as you could reasonably ask it to be for, a, for a guy at, in Jamie yeah. Collins' situation, right? He's like playing at 100 miles an hour right, out there right I, now. I think that he knows the situation, right? Like, they're still paying him a lot of money, so there is that. But also, like, I think that – I think they've been honest with him and said, like, you know, we're trying to retool this. We, we're, you're here on whatever – you know, we like you. You're here on whatever your contract is for what have you, but we've drafted this kid, Derek Barnes, and we want – him to be kind of the next what you are here. And I think that when you – we look at – not to get too far off tangent here, but like we look at how they're handling Michael Brockers in camp. And obviously, you know, Michael Brockers could be banged up, but like they're also not going to push Michael Brockers because they're asking him as a veteran to sort of take some of these young guys under his wing and help them. So they're going to, you know, let some of that slide maybe a little bit. I think that that's fine. But I think that Collins is – He's out there. I think that's about what you can ask for. But really what you're looking for is how is Barnes developing? And that's been the frustrating thing, I guess, for us that because he just hasn't been out there. He hasn't been healthy. And you see him get out there for, what was it, eight snaps, I think it was? And so it was one uh, yeah, series, eight, eight yep. snaps. And he looked outstanding. <laughs> yeah. He looked exactly like <laughs> he what he – Four he, plays and eight snaps. He looked exactly like what you – if you're Brad Holmes, what you hope he will become – in time is which is a legit sideline to sideline read and react smart linebacker who isn't trying to you know take on a block that's unnecessary he's just trying to go get the ball see ball hit ball right just a guy who go get it and i think that that's what we saw and if he can stack days like that then i think that by the end of the year we're going to be talking about Derek Barnes playing an awful lot of football because i think that his role on this defense is going to be really, really important. Um, and they really need that one to work. 
And it was encouraging. It was only eight plays, but like, man, he made a lot of really impressive <laughs> plays in those eight plays, yeah. or at least like steps or whatever that we just haven't seen yet from him that I was very, very impressed. I mean, it was hard not to notice it. I think everybody was, right? I mean, when you look back on it, I mean, it was one of those things that, what was it? It was eight snaps, but every time something yeah. happened, I think we looked at each other and we're like, well, there he is again, you know? So. <laughs> yeah, someone asked uh, Mark DeLeon, the, the linebackers coach on Monday, you know, what what did you see from Barnes in the game? And, and DeLeon said something like, I saw everything that we saw on tape in college everything. from him. You know, everything. it was yeah. like he, he got in there and filled a couple gaps against the run. They had the, you know, play action where they slipped the tight end, uh, Mm-hmm. Like sliced him across the backfield and slipped him out into the flat, going against the grain. And if, Blew that up. I'm not going to name anyone, but <laughs> if there's other linebackers out there, that's probably five or ten yards at least. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, yes. And Barnes was right there, no yards. And then obviously the blitz with uh, Melifanu, they kind of yeah. overloaded the one side and both both blitzed, and he closed and forced stuffed, the completion. Stuffed a third and one. Stuffed a third and one. Yeah, with, I mean it was uh, everything. Yeah. He did everything, yeah. and I think. It's clearly there's clearly athletic traits there that are not present in a lot of guys, maybe yes. any guys <laughs> this linebacking yes. crew. And That's even when you say. talk about like Alec Anzalone, uh, at the moment is going to be on the field like all the time, uh, every play. Yeah, <laughs> like he's their dime linebacker. He's calling the plays for him. He's in there with Jamie Collins in their base defense, and I think you see even in you know he had the one third and short where he just flew downhill and blew up a blocker in the hole and sort of changed the whole play and helped the Lions stuff it. But there also were a couple of plays there where some of the stuff Aaron Glenn talked to us about that he needed to see Anzalone get better at in terms of mm-hmm. oh, yeah. being physical and, and just running up and hitting guys if he didn't have a clear path to the ball and all these things. It was a little shaky. He, you know, Blockers right. were climbing to that second level and basically just pushing Collins and Anzalone out of the way. and And so that's got to improve but at, on that note i mean i think that there's clearly if Derek barnes hits the ground running here like if these next two preseason games look pretty good and he plays well in week one and two yeah i don't know how long you're going to be keeping him as your fourth linebacker no. like i think there's a pretty clear shot up the depth chart for him no and it was so indicative to to me and I, we talked about this too um that even when he was hurt you know, last week and the week before, when you go out there and practice, like they had him in walkthrough reps every time they were doing install. Um, they had him standing with Collins and Anzalone and working with ones. I mean, he was in there during install for all of that. So they want that to be the case, clearly. Um, you know, they want him to learn quickly and, you know, get on a... And, and you know, and it's interesting, like DeLeon said, he showed all the things that we saw from him in college, but he also didn't show any of the hiccups in eight plays. He went out there long enough for you to see any of the <laughs> any of the stuff that he needs to work on, right? So there are still things that he needs to clean up. But if you can get him to clean up a lot of that stuff and stop thinking and just go cut and run and play football, man, that you're right. I mean, he's going to be out there playing a ton probably by the end of September if this goes the way that they want it to go for him. And it's really important, I think, for the Lions as they look at this entire thing going forward, including Brad Holmes, like as he looks at the position – can you get to the end of the year and can you put a check mark next to Derek Barnes's name and say, hey, we got one here. Like, check. Move on. We don't need to worry about do we have another – do we have to worry about finding a guy that can play in the middle of our defense and cover all that ground and be our guy? Like, he's our guy. Like, that's what you're looking for right now, I think, and it's it's in the early stages of that. But, like, I don't think people should lose that either in all this process. I think you should be keeping those – um, conversations or whatever, or situations in your head when you're kind of looking at all this, like, you know, what's Derek Barnes' growth track in relation to, you know, when the season ends, they're going to have to evaluate the position again. Can you move on and keep going? Or do you have to keep messing with this? Like, that's how you get stuck in the mud by talking about guys like Jelani Tavai for three years, right? Can you just move on and say he's a good pick? <laughs> right, right. Like yeah. that's, that's what you're looking for as you go through here. So, so far so good, but like, now you got to stack it, right? And I think that that's the that's the news for a guy like Barnes, which surely they're excited. But eight plays isn't much, and we're going to see a lot more than that. Yeah, and I hope he can get. I don't know that the Steelers will play. This will be the third preseason game for the Steelers this week, so I don't know how much their yeah. starters will be out there. I don't know that Ben's going to play at all in the preseason, uh, Roethlisberger. But uh, mm-hmm. you'd like to see him get some more reps early in that game. Maybe get fifteen or twenty instead of eight, and then you know week three keep building on it. So maybe maybe you're not out there as much as Julian Okora, but you'd like to see him 
yeah playing you know 30 snaps if you can just to kind of test it out because he's had that hamstring issue too so this is also just sort of testing the physical aspect of it and where he's at it, it's it's difficult like i i did uh robert Pay- robert mays uh our one of our national podcasters and mm-hmm. writers uh swung through camp on monday and i did his podcast and he sort of he asked me you know what what is the goal of this season? Like, what are Lions fans supposed to be excited about? And I kind of told, you know, it's it's really tough because, and we've brought this up too, like this is, every Detroit team is in this spot where you're like, yeah. well, let's try and be competitive and let's see if this guy's going to help us in two or three years. And it's really hard to wrap your mind around that, especially when, it is. you know, you're it using is. these draft picks on guys that you're hoping are plug and play guys. It's really hard to, to not overreact to eight snaps in the preseason or or to weeks one through four because this isn't just about can Derek Barnes play in October it's mm-hmm. is Derek Barnes our starting middle linebacker next year you yes. know this is a this is a big picture type of evaluation on everyone here and so uh it you almost have to remind yourself and remind everyone else to just kind of be patient with things and and say all right well there here's some good and here's some bad and let's see if yeah. the progress happening because i think we, like you said yeah this is collins is probably not going to be here next year no anzalone no. maybe probably not but maybe and then so who's running who is your defensive play caller next year and maybe it's Derek barnes we talked about this a little bit yesterday just at practice i think standing around maybe it was the day before but like somewhere in brad holmes's office or his house or somewhere uh, is a list, and it has, I don't know how many names on it, but it has some names on it uh, of guys that he believes currently today that are going to be pillar members of this team in, like, 2024. I don't know how many names are on that list. I don't know if there's eight yeah, names on that not list. Not many. I don't know if there's 15, but if there's only, like, eight to ten, then if, if we ask the question of what's the goal of the season, for me, one of the goals really toward the top of that list, maybe at number one on the list, would be that every player on that list has to have a good season. Like every player on that list needs – you need to get to January and all of those players need to be in a better place than they are right now today. Like if that happens, then I think that you're growing – in the right direction. And that list obviously needs to get bigger as you go here, but like, that's the point. That's what you're, that's what a rebuild is. So that's where they're at. I mean, they're starting at a really low, you know, and people can go through the roster themselves and sort of look at it, like look at it yourself and, and tell yourself, like, is this person going to be here in three years? Like probably not. <laughs> there's a lot of guys that you can look at and say that with, but there's a lot of guys also that you can look at and say, he might not do anything on this team right now, but they really are invested in him and they want this to work out. Like a guy like Milifonwu is a great example of that. Right. So those are the little things that we talk about a lot when you look at this when you look at this whole thing big picture. It's are the guys that have to be progressing, are they progressing? And you know, a guy like Jeff Okuda is absolutely in that mix. Tracy Walker, I think, is probably on the maybe on the fringe of that list, right? So those are the things I think that we look at and those are the things that we're probably gonna focus on as we go forward here. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Belafonte was one more I wanted to get into. Uh, obviously, you know, he was out there. He, Jefferson did get 11 snaps. I don't... Did okay, Jefferson he did carry? Yeah, I mean, I guess he had a couple carries. Um, yeah. Nothing... Spectacular. I'm trying he to remember. Four, too, yeah, four right. carries for seven yards, and I don't mm-hmm. think they. Th- I guess they threw one pass to him for one yard, which I do not remember at all. So I apologize for that. Sure. Um, but yeah, it, it was pretty. Um, not exactly a memorable debut from him, uh, and I, I don't think again like they're going to be throwing him the ball. They're going to be using him on the wide zone, outside zone stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think they really did any of that with him. Um, Friday night, so we'll kind of circle back on him. He's been really good in camp. But Melifonwu played 30 snaps. Mm-hmm. He got tested a little bit on the outside, which we could not say for Jeff Okuda or no. Amani or Awurie. They didn't really throw at either of those guys. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think Melifonwu, I think we've seen some progress there. Like He looked oh, yeah. like he was a ways away when he first showed up, and now you kind of look at him and say, well, he's he's physical. He sticks his nose in there. I think you can use him on special teams. And he had a couple pretty decent coverage reps in that game Friday. He's the great example of like, you never know until you see it. And like when he got here <laughs> in like OTAs and rookie, in uh, rookie camp and stuff, and he's running those one-on-one press reps, I'm like, there's no way, <laughs> there's no way he's going to be able to do this in a game. He's just not ready for it. Right. And then we saw when camp started, it was probably a little bit better, but still probably not even close. And then honestly, when I, you know, when they went into Friday, I kind of thought he was in the same spot. But he goes out there and he makes a couple plays. I mean, there was one rep against um, Duke Williams uh, where, he, you know, it was a sideline man coverage rep on, I think, third down. You know, Duke Williams played the NFL before. He's not a superstar, but, he, you know, he's an NFL caliber receiver. And, you know, Melifonwu stays on his hip, doesn't get beat off the line, uses his length and the sideline, and he gets a pass breakup. And it's like, that was really simple and really easy and not difficult and, like, he used all of his physical traits the way that you would want him to. And the things that the Lions talk about and why they were attracted to his sort of player profile, all of them showed up. And it was like, okay, well, that was one rep and it was pretty good. Let's see if he can do it again. And I think that that's kind of where you're at with that one. But it was a little like, okay, well, he's mixing it up. I think he mixed it up on a special teams punt play or something. He got into a little bit of a scrap. So, like... Yeah, I think that he's probably progressing faster than maybe I realized because he is showing, I think, you know, an ability and a willingness to compete too, you know, at, you know, when it's time to go, which is important as well. Uh, And you never know, right? Until you throw a guy out there, how he's going to react and, you know, gets live bullets. The difficult thing here is. Is he the number three corner on this well. team? <laughs> I don't even like that. Like I'm just looking at the step chart. That's a separate and keep, conversation. Keep looking at players who are getting released or maybe about to be released because I just don't know. Like yeah. the Lions had, got rid of Quentin Dunbar, and that something is was going on. Something there. He was yeah. away. You know, for Dan Campbell called it personal reasons a couple times. He was gone for two weeks. They released him, um, and they signed Nickel Roby Coleman, who's I don't think you can play him outside. I mean, he's like five, five seven, what seven, <laughs> five, maybe? seven. Yep. <laughs> uh, so he's, but he's a good slot guy. I think he's probably going to be your starting slot unless yes. you know, like AJ Parker comes along and wins this thing. I think Roby Coleman's probably building up to being your starting slot, but beyond Okuda or a Roby Coleman, I, Mike Ford 
started in the slot. Now they've got him playing outside. He hasn't looked particularly good either spot mm-hmm. so far this in camp. He had a couple uh, tackles on Friday, but he also whiffed on one play towards his side. Um, I, and then you have Melifonwu yeah. <laughs> and Jerry Jacobs. I mean, somebody – these guys are going to have to play. You're not going to get through the season with three cornerbacks, four cornerbacks. These guys are going to have to be on the field. So if Melifonwu has to go out there – in week one against the 49ers or week two against the Packers. I mean, what are the odds that between now and early September, they can have him ready to not be a complete liability? (laughs) Well, this is where it's going to get interesting. And this is like something that I think we can monitor here as we go forward. We've talked about this back in like July. At some point in this process, the staff's tone about everything's great and positive and whatever is going to change to we have to feel the team that can play a football game and like not get embarrassed. So like some of these questions and that one is one of them. Are you going to have to make additional cuts because you have to go sign another corner? Are you going to have to make additional cuts because you have to go sign another safety? Like those are the two questions I think that are still hanging here because you just put it out there. Like I think that you can play Melifonwu, but if he, only if you're confident that he's going to be able to sort of like handle getting beat a bunch and like continue to, you know, mentally go forward. Cause I don't think he's ready for heavy reps. I think you can probably play him situationally, but I don't think he's ready for heavy, heavy stuff yet. Ford hasn't been good enough. We just talked about Roby Coleman. Like that's a question that has to get answered here. Like, are you guys going to add somebody to this, to this room? Because Otherwise, you're looking at A.J. Parker, who, you know, I mean, plays hard, and I think they like him, but he's an undrafted rookie who was your starting slot, I think, on uh, Friday night over Mike Ford. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I I think, I assume Melifonu is going to play, and I assume they want him to go out there and take his licks and kind of grow on the fly, but I guess the question would be is how much is he going to play, and I mean, we just don't have that answer. And I think that that's the complicated question, right? Is like, it really does still feel like, and I guess I'd ask you the same thing. Like, do you think they're going to sign another corner or safety or both before the 53 is established or not? I keep forgetting about Cornell there too, because he hasn't played in that's true. like two weeks. Like he's a guy who could help you in the slot. I mean, I think from the slot perspective, they might feel okay. I just, I, even from just having, maybe this Roby Coleman, maybe that that's part of why he's here to be kind of a leader for this group. But even just in terms of having a sounding board from a veteran on mm-hmm. that roster, it almost feels like they need to go get one more guy at, at somewhere in the secondary. Yeah, um, at probably at corner, but somewhere in the secondary. Melifonwu uh, is interesting to me too. But for some of the stuff we talked about, just the versatility. He's a bigger guy. They've given him some reps in the slots. You know, I don't know that he's looked great there by any means but he's someone that maybe when you get into your dime packages and stuff you bring him in and he's if mm-hmm. you're playing uh one of those bigger slot types maybe he's someone who helps you there maybe he's a guy who can play those matchups a little bit and and give you something but it there's not a lot of depth there um it's very young and and so uh, this is one of those spots where you're kind of looking at and saying all right, well, this is going to tell us a little bit about how they're approaching this season. Because I yep. think if they're thinking, we need to, we can win, we can steal some games, we're going to surprise some people. And they legitimately think that, I think they probably go out and add another a veteran corner. corner. Yeah. And if they're saying, let's just, let's just see, let's just mm-hmm. hold on, let's just see, then I think you probably stick with what you have. And that's maybe the case at both cornerback and safety. And safety, I do think, I think they really, do like Tracy Walker. I think they're very, very pleased with Will Harris's progress. We know that Dean Marlowe can be a good number three safety. And again, mm-hmm. there's a huge drop off after that. I mean, CJ Moore has been pretty good in camp. Um, but, you know, you're talking about depth issues at a lot of different spots, not just corner and safety. But it is interesting uh, because, again, who do you cut too? I don't you know. You got Okuda or a Warrior. Malafon was going to be there. Roby Coleman's going to be there. That's four. Mike, <laughs> it Mike seems Ford. like AJ Parker or Mike or Ford Mike or Ford Jerry Jacobs. Yeah. Like you got to get that. You've got six guys probably right now that could be on there. I would think that if you're going to do something, it would be, you know, Mike Ford leaving and someone else like Mike Ford, but maybe that you think better of coming in. But I don't know that that would look. It's to your point. The same. It's a great point. It's like 
I know we talked about that with Will Harris. You know, it sure seems like Aaron Glenn and Campbell's preference here at this point anyway, unless it changes, would be to, well, let's see what we got with Will Harris. Let's give him an opportunity to be the starter. Let's back up what we're telling him. Let's actually give him some confidence and see what he does. And if we and if he sucks, he sucks, and we move on. And you know, Brad Holmes has had really good success with drafting safeties before. He does it again. Maybe that's the plan, right? Like I can buy that. I can see that without even having to squint. Like that's I get it. Uh, the corner thing, I think that we all know, gets a little more complicated because it could really turn into a disaster pretty quickly. But it could also it could also surprise us, I guess, you know, or, or be something different. Like. We don't know yet, I don't think, where Jeff Okuda is as a player today. He didn't really get tested in that preseason game. And he's made some nice plays in camp. But we're still sort of right. I think we're still sort of looking. And and, and if that turns a corner and suddenly he's great, then whatever. But if he's struggling too, and you can't stop anybody, and it's, you know, so like that's the, that's the other side of the coin there where it's like, I can understand wanting to buy... And just see with Will Harris. Um, but like to do that for someone like AJ Parker or Jerry Jacobs at this point also doesn't make a, as much sense to me. So it's like, you know, I don't know. It's a tough one. Corner is tougher than safety, I would say at this point. Yeah, because it's also one of those things where there's always this fine line of you want to play your young guys, but you also don't want to destroy them. No. Yeah, you know, exactly. you don't want to go out there and have Aaron Rodgers throw for 550 yards. Or or yeah. lose the team because you're playing a bunch of guys who can't hang and everybody looks like hell because, you know, like that's another part of the equation too. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, you could. I do think, I guess what I was getting into is I think that this is a test, again, not just for sort of how they're going to build this roster, but I think it's a test for what this coaching staff's going to be and how they're going to call this game too. Because this is, if Aaron Glenn's going out there with, Walker and Harris at safety, Okuda Norawarie at corner. Uh, I mean, I, I think we're going to see how good this scheme is and how much he can kind of game plan around strengths and weaknesses in this group too because there are clearly going to be yeah. things that they can do and things that they cannot do, uh, and they're pretty obvious when they're out there. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I – it's a concern that if I look at the defense, I talked about the linebackers, the secondary just getting blown apart by a few of these opponents is the no. biggest concern for me. I think because I think the pass <laughs> yeah. rush will be okay, I think the defensive line will be okay, but yeah. if you can't hold up at all on the back end, you're going to have some games where you just get lit up, and I think that that's possible that that happens. And the two biggest mysteries here, I guess, as we kind of guess around it is it's Okuda and Owari or, or, or because we I mean Mamani we've seen you know we saw him you know go through some improvement last year and 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 have some things get better for him and now we'll see if he can take the next step Okuda I suppose is the bigger one but like they're both kind of they're your one and two now you know like unless something changes with Quentin Dunbar they're your one and two and um I I just it's a mystery. I'm not, you know, maybe, maybe they're great, but like, <laughs> watch, I just don't know. And it's, I am fascinated to see whatever one of these preseason games, I assume they're going to give Okuda like a half, right? I assume at some point here, we're going to see something more from him. He's going to get targeted at some point, And it's like, I'm really interested to see how that goes. Cause it's such a critical deal. I mean, it's such a critical thing. If he can, if he can turn into more about what you thought he would be when you drafted him this year, that boy, that would help a lot. But if, if he doesn't, then, uh, this is going to get challenging and it's going to get awkward pretty quick. And, uh, it's one of those that I'm, st- I think everyone's still sorting to wait, sort of waiting to see, you know, kind of where it goes there with that one. Yeah. And that's why you say you kind of hope, I don't, I doubt they see Ben Roethlisberger, but you kind of hope yeah. they see some of those Somebody. receivers yeah, uh, right. in Pittsburgh just to kind of feel out where this is at. Because, yeah. again, for as good as Okuda's looked in camp, he has given up an occasional shot over the top, and he's also facing these receivers we keep talking about. Yeah, that aren't doing Yeah, right, exactly. Like, eh, Tyrell Williams hasn't done anything, and Brashad Perriman hasn't done anything, and those are the guys he's seen. And, and right. St. Brown's given him... Rookie. St. Brown's <laughs> right. really given him a handful whenever they've yeah. matched up. Right. Um, so I, I think there's still a lot to be figured out. I mean, I think that, again, it sort of goes back to what we were talking about with Sewell. The positives for Okuda, for me, are just sort of how he seems to be approaching this and yeah. the mental part of it. Like, he's calling out plays out there. He's recognizing stuff. I tweeted out during the game he was 
you know, he had Jerry Jacobs on the sideline. They were, he was trying to like show him press coverage where his hand should be and what step he should be taking to bail out of there and all this stuff. So I think he's trying to be a leader on this group, which is great. That's you, you yep. want that. He needs to be, if he's going to be here, if he's going to be your guy, your lockdown guy, he needs to take those steps. But yeah, I mean, from in terms of what the performance is going to look like, I mean, we all know how last year went mm-hmm. and it's a long way from where he was at the end of last year to being a true number one corner in this league. So it's not going to be a straight line. No, I mean, it's like, and it's important to note that everyone defensively has taken more ownership of the defense. Um, it's obvious. Everyone has bought in to what they're trying to do. It's obvious. Um, but, you know, that only gets you so far. It's like, uh, I, I don't know if you were standing there the one day that Kelvin Shepard talked, um, but he had the interesting quote, one of my favorites at camp, where he was talking about, I can't remember what he was talking about, which player, but he was talking about the concept of flashes. You know, this guy flashed today. This guy did something today. Like, we would consider what Derek Barnes did on Saturday a, a, a flash, right? Officially mm-hmm. a flash. He flashed his potential. Well, Kelvin, you know, he was like, that's great. This is not a flash business. You have to be able to do this every (laughs) time, not like half the time or a quarter of the time. You have to be able to do it every time. And so when we get to that part of this conversation, it gets uh, very tense, I think, for the Lions because it suddenly turns from everyone is excited about the enthusiasm and the passion and the buy-in and everything else. And then the question pops up about, Okay, well, now we have to throw them out there and see if they can actually do this. And everyone's like, I don't know how it's going to go. So it's just like, we're still absolutely in that <laughs> right. you yeah. know, weird space. And thankfully for everyone, we're not going to have to wait too much longer. Although we'll see uh, how the results uh, make everyone feel, I guess. But it does still feel like we're kind of in that middle, like, uh, okay, like you guys do have to go play an NFL schedule still. You know that, right? Like, <laughs> Is this going to be the team? I mean, like, we still are asking that in a lot of places. And to a degree, that's fine. But also, like, we're going to have to see, like you said, like we've said this whole podcast, like, so much about these next couple weeks are going to really show us a lot about where they think they are and where they're going with the long-term rebuild of this whole thing. Yeah, I asked Campbell in one of the pressers recently, and he didn't really answer. Maybe he didn't know how to answer. But I asked, you know, like, can you add young guys right now or do you need to bring in a veteran or someone who knows your schemes like at what point is there a cutoff where you say all right well a second year guy is not gonna be able to pick this up in time and he right. didn't really he didn't really give a, an answer to it because I don't yeah. know that he, I don't know, if he there was, I don't know yeah. that there is a definitive <laughs> but um I it just again I sort of look around and you can go through some of these rosters and guy number 65 on a contender is going to mm-hmm. be better than guy 50 on this Lions roster right now. Oh, yeah, every time. But would you rather have Jerry Jacobs play corner or would you rather have a you know 10-year vet play corner? And I think, again, that's those are some of the discussions that they have to have right now and just sort of figure out how competitive this thing can be with what they have. I mean, I'm sure they will make some moves here. I don't think they're going in with mm-hmm. this group for the whole year, but um, – I don't know. It is. It's a tough. Like you said, you don't want to go. You can't go zero and seventeen. People are gonna no. sour on this. <laughs> oh no, they can't. You, no. You've got to go out there and and win some games, and you've got to show some progress and be competitive and and make people in that building believe that this is work. Let al- working. Let alone the fans. That's and it, right? There. The national media, like the people in that building, have to say, "All right, well, you just we lost, it. but mm-hmm. we're clearly getting better." So. You've Can got you do to that get, with the guys you have? Whatever happens in the next couple of weeks, by the end of September, you've still got to have everybody on board, right? And I think that, like, and by the end of October and November, like, those are the, yeah. And there, you said it. That's one hundred percent what it is. You have to do every decision you make has to be done with. We have to keep everybody in this building in the same headspace that they were in when they reported to camp, because when everybody showed up, Dallin Park. And in, o- in OTAs, like the the we were not bullshitting with you guys. Like the vibe was very good, and it has been very good, and it's been very productive. It seems like it's been very productive and positive, and all the things that you want. But like none of that means anything if it all goes up in smoke <laughs> right. in the third week of September because they've lost three games in like embarrassing fashion, and they don't know what they're doing. And no one knows where they're going. Like so, it can all go away at way faster than you put it together. And those are the things that we look for. And every decision they make has to be with 
that in mind, especially with a roster this young, when we talk about guys like Jeff Okuda and Tracy, like they're here for it. But, you know, we've seen what a guy like Tracy Walker's gone through in his career already. Like how much, if you yank him around or like something weird happens, is he going to be like, screw this. Like, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. Like that's the line that you're kind of walking. So, um, yeah, I don't know, but it's going to be fascinating because they, they can't continue on with this. Like, well, it's the off season <laughs> much longer. It has to be the season. And like you said, you can't go in 17, Probably wouldn't advise going one and sixteen either, but you know, I guess it is what it is, and we'll <laughs> right, see how it yeah. goes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and that's always sort of the conversation in Detroit. Every time you bring in a new staff and bring in, you know, start a new regime, you do have these holdovers, and especially with these young guys, you know, can you keep them away from the? Well, here we go again. Yeah, like right. yeah, that's the goal. Like you yeah. don't want Tracy Walker to struggle in week one and week two and say, well, this is, I can't. Well, here are the Lions I again. I got to get out of I'm here. Gonna, yeah, I, right. yeah, yeah, I just can't. It's not working for me here. And I think that that's, yeah, I mean, that's something seriously to watch early on. Um, brighter note as we close up here, was, was we talked about Melifonwu. Uh, mm-hmm. Were there any other players, kind of hinted at Julian Okora a couple times, any other guys in that game Friday that uh, – surprised you or impressed you and you think maybe it well, changed their outlook here i think logan stenberg bought himself another week if nothing else um at least right i think that he's a guy that probably isn't a sexy name to talk about but someone that they absolutely challenged and i know we made a point to pay a lot of attention to him during uh the first couple weeks of camp and he was a mess um and when it was go time the pass pro was still a little shaky but i thought for the first time watching Logan Stenberg and how in the limited time that we've been able to watch him, he looked like a guy who could move people inside. Like he threw a couple really nice blocks at the point of attack and cracked a couple runs uh, in the run game on an offensive on a second unit. That is an absolute abomination <laughs> that we knew that it was an abomination, but I thought Logan Stenberg, that was good. And man alive, would that change the math? If Logan Stenberg could like, find a way to become a productive player here. And you say, okay, we got Crosby too and Stanford. Okay. I don't know. I mean, he's got a long way to go, but I think that was a nice, you know, day for him. And then I think we flip it over and you look at some of the defensive linemen that we've talked about a lot. You and I have anyway, Kevin Strong and then Bruce Hector. Um, Don't know what you do with Bruce Hector. I don't know how you leave Kevin Strong off the roster. Like those are two questions that I would ask you right now as we sit, because both those guys have had a really nice camp too, and there's a couple guys on defense that could probably say something similar. Some guys that are working hard and showing up and making plays. Kevin Strong, I don't. I'm with you. I I think next time we go through this roster, mm-hmm. we've got to find a space for him because he's been good, and I think he's been probably more versatile than I gave him credit for. This has been his time of year. He's always yeah, he's good right. this time yeah. of year, and then you got to find some spots for him in the regular yeah. season. So. Uh, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think he's played really well and seems to have taken to the scheme. Stenberg's interesting because he still has that, you know, he, we saw him in college. He was a guy who just wanted to get into like, oh, yeah. into the those fight. phone booths mm-hmm. and just clobber people and, and maybe even pick up a, an unnecessary roughness penalty here and there. Cause he was blocking for so right. long, but right. it, he's interesting because, and I asked him about this Monday, we talk about Sewell. Stenberg basically has not played since yeah, 2019. Mm-hmm. He played. There was no preseason last year. I think he played like two special team snaps or something. Yeah, and they basically sat him the entire year. So he is. That was his first game action in a year and a half more, more than a year and a half. And so I, you know, I it was something I was asking him about Monday. Like, can you, like, at some point. The returns on practice investments have to run out. You have to get out there and get some game yeah. film, right? And he was saying, yeah, I mean, I think you can always get better in practice, but I really needed to see myself and test myself against some guys who aren't on our roster. And so I think that, that that's part of the evaluation here, too. Like, that is your first real NFL tape you have of Logan Stemberg. So, right. Yeah, um, that, that's sort of an awkward thing for this regime because they didn't draft him and – he didn't look great to start, but now you've got – the first time you threw him out there, he mm-hmm. played pretty well. And so I think that that does change the equation for him a little bit uh, because, you know, maybe he is a guy who's going to be better yeah. in games for you than he was in practice. Or maybe he just needed 
to get out there and feel it again. And and so mm-hmm. I think that, like you said, the offensive line, I mean, Crosby's been hurt. I think Matt Nelson's okay. And that's like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that's I another mean, like, spot where you could add someone. Also to note, like Stenberg, they targeted him. He had a target on his back. They were watching him. You know what I mean? It was like they, they challenged him. I mean, when you watched those series on Friday night, like when he would go in the game, and he would come out like the Fraley is like on the field. Wait, what? You know, pulling him up. They're talking every step of the way. Like they were really working hard at that. I think they were really trying to see, okay, man, we got to get something out of you. Okay. Like, I think that that seemed to be a pretty big project there for the last couple of weeks. And it had to feel good for everybody to see him come off the field after a couple of productive snaps, because it had gotten pretty hard to watch from a confidence standpoint, like just in practice, it looked it did not look like it was progressing. And then to see him go out there and do that, that had to have been like, just, I'm interested to see how he performs now with just like a different mindset of like, Hey, yeah. yeah like you said, Chris, like he went out there and did it, showed himself that he did it against somebody else on another team. Maybe it changes. And maybe suddenly now you look up and say, okay, maybe we do have eight linemen that we can, you know, maybe rely on. And maybe this is what we thought it could be. Uh, and this isn't going to be a wash in year two, like maybe we think Jelani Tavai or something like that's going to be. So, or year three, I guess, for Tavai. But like, that was productive. It was something productive, positive for a guy like Stenberg with what he's been through in the in the first year in the league. I think that's that was a great sign for him. And I don't think that's hyperbolic. I think it was a great sign for him because I think he was in a pretty bad place uh, heading into that game. So that's all good. Yeah, one more guy I'll mention that I'd like to see some more of, and I guess kind of saying this now for over a year but Jalen Reeves Mabin to me when he's out there with Derek Barnes that's pretty interesting tandem because Barnes can be your big we talked about his athleticism his speed and everything but he can be kind of your bigger Mm -hmm. more physical body and Jalen Reeves Mabin gives you some of that stuff on that second level that the Lions have just needed forever you know the coverage guy someone who can kind of flow to the football and and I don't you know I don't know if he's going to be physical enough to live in there, we, when he did get on the field uh, last year, he kind of got exposed a couple times, but he's been really good on special teams, uh, and he is pretty interesting next to Barnes when they've had them out there together just because of the the dynamic of their two different styles. So that's one more. Uh, you know, I thought he looked all right moving around out there. I'd be interested to see him playing some more moving forward here just to see. Again, that's a spot where you're trying to figure out what this is going to look like, not just this year, but next year, the year beyond. And and maybe there's more in there than we've seen from him too. So that that's just mm-hmm. one more I'll throw out as we close yeah, up here. Absolutely. I mean, that's another one that he's hung around for, for this long. Everyone likes him. Like, let's see what he can do. Do you want to touch on the bad side of this here, uh, Tavai or any of the people who we th- – I mean, they got to get down to – 85. Should we wait and do the cuts next week? Because I think we're taping on Tuesday. I don't think they've cut everybody yet, so I don't know. Uh, if you have anyone you'd like to call out here, we can certainly do <laughs> Well, that. I mean, obviously, we're going to see how it goes. Um, but, and I don't know if Tavai, I don't know if he gets cut on this wave or if they want to see more. I think I, he's probably I, here for a yeah. little while. I mean, it was one preseason game. It wasn't great, but it was also like, Campbell said it the other day, you know, he's done everything we've asked him to do. I, I almost wonder if it's a similar situation as like a Will Harris where they're where they're like, we really got to try to see everything we can do here to see if we can get, he's a second round pick. I mean, you know, so yeah, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't a good game for him Friday, but it also like, I looked at it and I'm like, well, it wasn't anything that should have been shocking to anyone. It wasn't like you know, <laughs> something that yeah, was and that's so, what they said. I mean, yeah. like that's what Campbell said. He's basically he's a first and second down player for us. He's a right. He's a thumper in the middle. We can't have him doing things other than that. Basically, yeah. and, stuff and, that he uh, can't do. Yeah, right. And DeLeon said the same thing when someone asked him about the the busted coverage. You know, the the running back released into the mm-hmm. flat, and Tavai read read it wrong. And right, there was no one out there, and yeah, he went the wrong way. And DeLeon said the same thing. Like that's. That one's on, like, basically that one's on me. I shouldn't have had him in that position to cover right. that guy in that in the flat if it happened. And, which is fine. You know, you need, again, you need to find out what the strengths and weaknesses are for all these guys. But, like, I, 
if well, you're only going to be a first and right. second down player and you're a complete liability against the pass, hundred percent. Like, this isn't 1987 where you're going to get first and second down runs all the time. You're going to have to cover the pass at some point. On and first you're also down going to have. Down. You're also going to need to be able to blow up every single run that comes at you between the tackles, and he doesn't do that. So, you know, that's the thing that I would would focus on now because it's like, okay, well, if he's going to be a first and second down stuffer, he needs to do it, and like. We don't see that either. So, you know, like, or at least not enough. And and those are the things, I guess, because it's like, at what point does it become, we can't make a spot here for you if you can only play on first down and only some of the times you're productive on first down. Like, that's that's where this conversation probably ends up unless he, you know, turns a corner here, I guess, to some degree. And I guess I will mention he's practice squad eligible. Sure. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of teams out there that are – Oh, I can think of one. Up. <laughs> he doesn't want to go there. Uh, <laughs> Gonna have to put, add that weight back on. Yeah, I gotta put thirty pounds back, back on to go play for the Patriots defense. Uh, but yeah, right. that's one where maybe you release him and just yeah. tell him we would like to keep you around. We just can't fit you on the fifty-three right now and see how he feels about that. Yeah. Because I think that the, that that would make sense to try. I mean, and do I hate that, talking I about Tavai because he's such a good guy. And he's yeah, like a right. really nice yeah. guy who works his ass off. Like, I mean, we've all seen it like all the time. And it's just like, it's refreshing to hear like what DeLeon said yesterday. Like it's on me because I'm putting him in a situation that he, he shouldn't be in. And when we look at a guy like Tavai, it's like, that's his whole career to date. He was well, put in a was, position, you yeah. know, so it's hard to see. You know, It's very, I mean, that was a lot of what went on with Jared Davis too, though, yes. right? Like he yes. just, he worked harder all than anyone way. on that team. He mm-hmm. was a like a leader in that locker room, just a great guy. And then everyone in the world saw where the holes in his game were. Yeah. And, and at some point you just can't ignore it. Couldn't do yeah. it anymore. And I, you know, you're kind of on the brink with Tavai. I don't know. Again, maybe you do because that was his first game as like the new mm-hmm. leaner, meaner Jelani Tavai. Maybe you do want to give him a longer look yeah. and just see, but I don't think it hurts anything to give him one more. I mean, they've got room; they can cut other people that you know and keep him. I mean, if it's not gonna hurt anything for eighty-five, I mean, you know, at this point, <laughs> right? <laughs> at yeah. this point, you know, if you wanted to see one more, like that's my point. Like, if you wanted right. to see how he does against Pittsburgh, like I, you know, I don't think it would be crazy uh, to right. see that. I, you know, I think that'd be fine. Well, uh, like Nick mentioned, they got to be down to eighty-five couple hours after we're taping here and then they got cut a few more for next week so when we get back next week we'll hit on those uh two rounds of cuts and then sort of line up the last big round of cuts they'll yeah. have one preseason game left and then have to be down to 53 after that so a lot of oh boy you know, a lot of bigger decisions <laughs> coming in that last wave uh when they have to bounce you know 20 whatever it is 22 guys off the roster so uh we'll talk about that next week look back a little bit at the uh, trip to pittsburgh for the the first of two trips to Pittsburgh this year for some reason <laughs> for the preseason <laughs> game uh, and just sort of reset again where things are at. So uh, you can check out the show on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, we've got to uh, keep teasing it, but we'll be on the athletic app in the near future here. Uh, waiting on a couple little last uh, boxes to be checked before that move happens, but you can still find us all the usual spots. So rate us, review subscribe hit us up on uh, twitter if you got any questions and uh, for nick i'm chris we'll talk to you soon